I would like to thank the Most High for making all this possible. My familiar, L.A. Reed and the Epic staff and my fans that show their support day in and day out. Salute the DJs. Turn up. <laughs> Whoa, another episode of Chopper Soup Convos. And today is a special episode. We're celebrating the 10th anniversary of Future's first studio album, Pluto, which came out April 17th, 2012. That was G Sunday, Easter. So Jesus is coming back. And I guess Pluto is too. What's going on, DJ Balmol? Hey, man, nothing much, man. You know, uh, enjoying this nice weather. You know what I'm saying? Um, anticipating Future's album. We'll get into that later. But everything good, you know, still working out, even turned that grind up even more. You know what I mean? I've been experimenting with different sounds, like on the DJ tip, different uh, mashes and creating songs with acapellas and different beats. So I'm feeling rejuvenated right now. Juice is flowing. Pause. <laughs> and by the way, guys, what I read at the beginning was futures, thank yous, and shout outs in the album credits of Pluto. Yes, I bought CDs back then and I still buy music today. But let's see who else was the the ARs were Naeem Ali and Orlando McGee. The mm. AR admin was Jessica Nolan. Business Affairs, Heath Kudler, Marissa Pizarro, and Stephanie Yu. Salute to y'all. Salute to the publicist, Courtney Lowry, marketing, Latricia Burnett. You get the gist of it. The executive producers of the album. You could say, oh, yeah, I think I actually said the executive producer for the album was The Streets. <laughs> oh, shit. Something like that. I love, when they, I love when they say stuff like that because it's like not necessarily true, but they're telling us. <laughs> like The Streets, like imagine like The Streets, like they really executive produce. Yeah, the, the executive producer is listed as A1FBG. So shout out Rocco. You know, A1 is his label. That's who Future was initially signed to. And of course, FBG, the Free Bang Gang, that's Future's label, his crew. But man, 10 years, it's wild. Do you remember the first time you heard Future? Um, Just, all right, so the first time I think I heard him, which probably isn't the first time, I probably heard this. Well, the first time I heard him is Rax, right? But I didn't designate one person. Thought it was, I, I probably thought it was just one person or just like some new come and go ATL group. You know what I'm saying? Her racks on racks on racks, you know what I mean? That's whatever. It had, had the futuristic sound that I was getting kind of used to. But when I first noticed who he was, I was at my brother's house watching um, MTV Jams and Tony Montana video was on. And um, I remember seeing it thinking like, this is something, but at the same time, is this guy like, what is he like? Like, is he like gonna be like a multi, like faceted artist is he gonna have longevity can he do this again he's also wearing shades i don't know why i used to be weird about people who i saw first with shades like it's just like he wears shades i don't know like is this like a costume or something like i don't know like but i just but tony montana is when i really knew who he was and then that's when i knew he did racks on racks i think when i used to hear about when i found out about him doing racks that's when i knew like he wrote the whole song type of thing but probably 2000, when did um, Tony Montana come out? 2010 or 11? That's like the summer of 2011. That was on the True Story tape, classic. 
so yeah um tony montana and racks and tony montana are the first times i heard future but i would say tony montana more way before drake too yeah first time i heard future i was in my dorm and i remember i was going through mixtapes or no i think i was going through websites yeah and one of my favorite websites back in that day was trapsandtrunks.com. They used to have their own mixtapes and they used to have the no DJ versions of mixtapes. So I used to go there to get the no DJ versions of stuff. And I remember I just saw a song called Racks. I clicked it and I was like, all right, it's cool. The song sounds catchy. Of course, the hook, YC. And then I heard the second part. And like you said, I didn't know who was who on the song. I just remember being caught off guard when I heard Future. I didn't know it was him at the time, but I heard a rapper say, I'll never sell my songs. I was like, whoa, that's kind of random. Like on the club banger like this, this dude's talking about not selling his soul. All right, that's pretty cool. And then of course the song blows up in a couple of months. And I remember going on live mixtapes and that's when, this is January 2011, January 11th, one of my favorite things to do back in the day before going to class at Norfolk State, shout out my Spartans, I would go on live my Spartans too. Yeah, whatever. I would go on live mixtapes and try to find, oh, what's some new music I can walk the class to? And I saw Dirty Sprite and I was like, oh, rag soul, so this is one of the dudes let me download this dirty Sprite and see what it's hitting on. And then I was blown away and I was caught up on being a future fan after that. But it's interesting because you mentioned Tony Montana and that's the true story tape. You know, a lot of people, they think about future. They only think about all oh, the classic mixtape running. Yeah. Monster. Oh, that one. Yeah. Monster. What, uh, Beast Mode and 56 Nights, but the first mixtape run was Dirty Sprite to True Story, Streets Streets All in the Astronaut Status. And in the middle of that was Free Bricks with Gucci too. Mm -hmm. And when like that, by the time True Story came out that summer 2011, I was listening to Future every day. Shout out Kwame Boateng, shout out Kobe. That was the gang, man. We was kicking it every day in the summer, coming together, trying to get gas, riding around, listening to the future. I think we would even, yeah, I'd go to Jamal's crib a lot. That's when you stayed closer to me. You were staying basically across the street from me mm-hmm. that summer. And I remember, yeah, that's, that's when I became a full-fledged future stand. But when you first heard future, like you said, you were kind of caught off guard by it. And so you know, he's imitating Scarface. The song is named Tony Montana. You saw the shades. What's the first time you ever heard a future project? Can you remember that? Um, the first time I was kind of late. Like the first time I heard a future project was um Streets Calling. Okay, so that's, that's September 2012. And that's why that's like 11, September 2011. And that that album has like a special place for me as like a future fan because that was when I first like Cause I heard magic. I heard everything. Like, you know what I mean? I liked all that stuff. But when I first really like respected them, like for real, for real was, um, streets calling. Like I was in a library one time studying. And for some reason, I don't know why my name whole weight came on. And that's the first song that I really like 
got like understood like oh snap this dude is like pretty dynamic he has very anthem sounding big sounding songs he um when it comes to like making street music like it's like if you judge like a gangster movie or if you judge like an action movie or a sci-fi movie there's certain like criterias or certain things that you would want in it so as far as like street music goes when i heard name a whole weight he just said a lot of stuff that i like to hear and shit so um name whole weight was like the when i first really like became like like when i first really respected him you know what i'm saying for some reason even though i loved the magic um same damn time was that before name whole weight same it's on the same project right 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 uh, yeah i'm not looking at the um all that's con- that era is like a blur like blurred together to me but um but whatchamacallit so basically name whole weight and uh, Streets Calling is just a dope, dope album. And that's when I first really, really like respected them. You know what I'm saying? So, and um, yeah, man, 10th anniversary yeah. of his of his um tape, Pluto. Do you, you know remember, hold on real quick. Do you remember? Because like you said, at that time, it's funny. It's like freshman and sophomore year we were at nsu together then later you transferred to vcu do you remember when i graduated in the winter 2013 it was like one day i was kicking it with you and we went and got claytis shout out to claytis i know exactly what you're about to say no remember we was listening to the no sleep tape that's when i became a fan fan that's when i became a true fan of future no sleep that's when i became like a real fan and i like so 2013 so that so that december 2013 that's when you were on board yeah that's when he became like my favorite rapper at the moment like i was like i would tell people like yo i, I started thinking like yo future like i remember i would tell girls and stuff that might not be that hip like yo this is my favorite rapper right now like i'm really rocking with his music just stuff some of the stuff he's saying and just some of the things i was like was happening in my life like i just got out of like a long relationship you know what i'm saying like all kinds of stuff was happening yeah. so like that album like fit perfect for it and um yeah um no sleep that i love that it was hilarious bro it was like it was funny because we were me and Claytis were talking and i think we were using too much lingo he was like hey man can y'all cut down that lingo i don't know what y'all are talking about <laughs> yeah that was like the that's like historically basically that time is Dan feels like he basically like got me out the ashes and like uh, w- woke me back up and like yeah, put like a Jamal, jumper cables. One of the hippest people I knew. That's why we were cool. Like we were always ahead of the curve with certain stuff. But then it's like Jamal went to Richmond and he got too comfortable. But then you got your swag back. But that yeah, was- I basically, yeah, I basically kind of lost my swagger a little bit and I had I needed the jumper cables. <laughs> That's funny. So, okay. So because you were a little late to the party, does that mean you never heard Pluto? You've only been, uh, you've only gotten this album through the Pluto 3D format? Um, I heard it, um, like Future was like, if you were around certain people, Future was kind of like Gucci or like Migos when they came out, you couldn't avoid it. But when I really, I didn't really sit down and listen to Pluto um probably until the 3d format came out like when did how early did they scrap the original 
All right. So like we talked about earlier, the original album came out April 17th, 2012. The Pluto 3D format came out November 17th, 2012. Oh, shit. Yeah, so basically, so that means basically you never heard Pluto. All you have is the Pluto 3D format. Yeah. So let me talk about Pluto. I remember this is back when albums still came out on Tuesdays. And like I said before, I used to love checking out the new music on live mixtapes because, you know, that that was dominating the mixtape game, the South for the South live mixtapes. I know like the East Coast New Yorkers based artists, a lot of them use that piff. Uh, short, I know like Wayne, Meek, a lot of people, Wiz used to use that piff. I was only fooling with live mixtapes artists like Gucci, basically the South Gucci, 2 Chains, Future, Migos, everybody was having live mixtapes exclusive, Dolph. But I knew this album was coming out on Tuesday, so I went to MacArthur Mall early took the little yeah took the metro to macarthur mall went to the fye and i bought the cd i still have the cd and i also bought the vinyl for the album a few years ago too but i remember buying the cd and you know cd players were dead at that time so what i had to do was (laughs) use my laptop rip the cd on my itunes and then put it on my ipod hold on macarthur mall was the good mall right yeah yeah it, I was, you almost made me think it was military mall. Nah, 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 nah. But it's crazy. You said MacArthur Mall and FYE. Like, you just took me back in time. Yeah, I'm old school. This is Norfolk, Virginia we talking about. For yeah, shout know. out to 757. Shout out Norfolk. But yeah, man. So I remember listening to that CD. And we can go through the track list of the original Pluto real, real quick. Because, you know, Pluto 3D is basically the label saying, hey, we didn't like the album the way it was constructed. So we're going to make a reissue, add more remix, add a couple remixes, add a couple new songs and reshuffle the project. Basically, that's what labels do to pop artists when they're trying to milk a project. And I didn't like the attempt. I just thought, hey, just do better the next time. But I get it because I think the label realized, hey, this guy is talented. He knows how to make pop songs he knows how to make radio like r&b songs he can make the street young uptempo records i felt like they didn't really realize how gifted he was until turn on the lights came out but all right so let's so turn on the lights wasn't oh yeah you're gonna tell me yeah, it's on the album it is okay it's on the album but like we learn in music is that the placements of songs let you know the importance and turn on the lights being track 14 on a 15 song album lets them know hey on we didn't realize this song was a banger because if you look at three uh, pluto 3d's track list turn on the lights is track five mm. yeah they they brought it up fast <laughs> but all right so the intro is the future is now featuring big rube and that was cool because future being like the quote-unquote last generation of the dungeon family because when he was coming up that was when everybody was going on their own path but if you don't know future's big cousin is rico wade one of one third of organized noise one of the greatest production crews of all time they produced everybody outcast tlc curtis mayfield goody mob 
Bubba Sparks. They just did stuff on Buddy's last album. They're dope still. I think they did Saturday for Ludacris. Yes, they did. Which I love that song. For sure. So it was cool to hear Big Rube introducing Future. And it was cool also because on Future's first mixtape 1000, Big Rube is on that on statistics. Yeah, I love that song. And Big Rube is a poet who has dope poems. And um, he was, you know, obviously in the Dungeon family. But yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a spoken word artist. Spoken word. Yeah, if yeah. you heard any outcast music throughout the years, a lot of artists even use him to this day. Like a, he was on Offset's album. He's done stuff with Spillage Village. That's um, JID's crew with Earth Gang. He's still around. He's still active. Like he's been on Deaf Poetry Jam. He was in Society of Soul with Organized Noise. And uh, I think Joy was also, oh no, the shorty's name was Esperanza. Like if you if you into that soulful music, check out Society of Soul Brainchild album. But that was a cool intro. But then uh, track two, Parachute featuring R. Kelly. Oh gosh, that beat is disgusting. It sounds like <laughs> fucking something he, sounds like something R. Kelly like wanted to produce for B2K, but they broke up already. <laughs> he didn't make the beat. The producers were actually Blue and DJ Ferris. Oh, I'm sorry, DJ Ferris. I got respect for you. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's that's probably the worst song in Future's catalog. I knew that song was Pookie when R. Kelly started off and he said, I'm something going off Apple phone. I'm like, huh, Robert, those are called iPhones, son. That's I, I didn't even uh, get past his verse. I got out of there. Yeah, I mean, Future does okay. He's He has a couple lines that I like, but yeah, that song is Traka overall. Sorry. So that's how you know, like, the label, like, really? Track two on Future's debut album? First, we hear Big Rube set in the tone. That's cool. But then the first, like, vocal performance of singing and rapping is R. Kelly? Get and, out of here. In 2012? And it's R. Kelly, like, it's like, you could just tell, like, the labels were so much more involved on this project than they are to his career now. Like, it's just like, ugh, like R. Kelly. It's like a quarterback, a young quarterback, you're not, like, opening the offense for him yet. Yeah, they're shook. But I know L.A. Reid put that move together because, you know, he's the boss of the label. And he, he's known for being sketchy, too. Now, <laughs> track three, that's my jam, straight up. That's that should have been the intro to the album. After Big Rube speaks, we have to hear straight up. And if you're a fan of Pluto, you know this was one of Future's ad libs years before Travis Scott stole it. It was Future's song. He even made a song about it. Shout out Narden B on the beat. It's a great, energetic, up tempo song. You know what's one of my favorite parts of the song? Well, not one of my favorites, but a notable part is when he says, I don't fuck around with them Zans. And then yeah, years, was, years later, Zanny family. And that was interesting. And, yeah. and like he said, people, this is believed to be the origins of Travis Scott. Straight up. I believe it is. So you I'm didn't just hear saying. You didn't hear Travis Scott until the next year. And he was saying straight from Mexico, call it Katun. <laughs> saying no straight up on that album yeah so. yeah but hey it's okay that's a part of being influential 
he did set the tone for a generation after him. Astronaut Chick, I like that song a lot. Shout out Willa Four on the beat. I like Astronaut Chick, um, and I definitely like it because um, it sounds it sounds very mixtapey, like his mixtapes from before, like before this album. That's what I like about it. True. Now, this is a conversation that we have sometimes when you say Future does not know how to make girl songs or songs for women. On this project... I didn't say that. Yeah, you have said it before. It's okay. Speak with your chest, son. I think he does make good girl songs. I love Never End. Yeah, I'm talking about, yeah, specific to this era. You say Future today does not know how to make girl songs. Right, right. You're right. You're right. Future back then, he did know how to make songs for girls, right? Like Astronaut Chick is a cool song. Straight uh, and Never End. And and I don't know. Well, Turn Off the Lights is about a little bit of everything, but turn off the lights is that a girl song to you yeah it is yeah that too yeah he was in his bag when it comes to the girl we're gonna go there but all right astronaut chick you like the song Mm -hmm. all right magic remix featuring ti i mean ti this is when he came out of jail and i think he got on this song he rapped on this and he rapped on a two chain i think he rapped on spend it by two chains Mm -hmm. he did do you like ti's verse on the magic remix at the time I did because it was cool to hear him like still be able to sound like he's in shape. He was like fast. But a But I like um I like magic without him. Yeah, me too. KE on the track. Shout out to KE, great producer. Uh, I'm tripping featuring Juicy J. This is one of my favorite songs on the album. Yeah, it's actually not one of my favorite songs, but it's not bad. It's, nah, that's one of my favorite songs on the album. He's going in. This is Toxic Future. And yeah. I like I like the beat. That joint go. And I like how this, and it's interesting. If you notice, a lot of these songs have three verses. Mm-hmm. It's before everybody stopped, you know, everybody cut off the third verse. So I like hearing like how future like one of the things that attracted me to his music in the beginning was how versatile he was with his content and his flows and i like because the first verse he has like a certain flow then the second flow he tries to do triplets you can tell like i'm like dang is he trying to show love to lord infamous like hey i'm rapping on a juicy j beat i'm about to get freaky like lord infamous and then juicy j comes on at the end but i like the song a lot it's not bad uh, see, you don't like it as much. It's okay. Speak. Come on, man. Let us know what 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 does it not? Why doesn't it hit you the same way it does me? Music. Because it just sounds like I don't really like Future when he gets when he works with people and it sounds like, hey, I'm 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 I, I'm I have to make a song to like. It just sounds like it's for selling music, like. But maybe you know he probably looks he probably looks at Juicy J as an OG, but it just sounds like hey, I'm on a Juicy J song and it has to sound like this. And I don't know that joint. He goes. I'm he, trippy main era, and it's just like nah. That's that, cool. Hold on, I need to find. I wish yeah, you know I can't rap, but he flows on that joint. He goes crazy on. It's not bad. It's just not one of my favorite songs on the album. That's all. Oh man. All right, so truth gonna hurt you. That's my jam. Produced by Mike Will Made It in A Plus. I like that song. I feel like he shows flashes of his future self because um, even though he's always 
been able to get pretty like deep and stuff. He, I feel like he's got, he's gotten deeper as he's yeah. aged in his music. And I feel like that shows like flashes of like what he does now. Yeah. One of my favorite, um, hold on, where is it? One of my favorite lines on this song is that when he said, I'm on a first class fight and I ain't pack overnight because I'm a shop when I land. That sounds very player. Yeah. That's I've dope. never done that before, but I want to do that one day. That's very player. I will do that one day. I can't wait. Yeah, man. This is another, this is a great Toxic Future song, quote unquote, that, but he just performs it in a player way. Mm-hmm. Hey, man. But yeah, Truth Gonna Hurt You, that's my jam. And of course, Never End, Mike yeah. Will Made It and P Nasty, great song. That's my shit. I love that song a lot. Of course, on the Pluto 3D version is the remix with Kelly Rowland, great song. She does her thing on it. That's one of the songs that it's like, I like the original, but hey, Kelly Rowland does her thing too. And the video is cool too. It's really, truly a great song, like period. Like, yeah. not just like a great rap song. And it shows how, it shows like his potential at the time. Like, yo, this dude got potential and he's very versatile. Yeah, for to be sure. A street, to be a street-based artist. And yeah, and make dope songs like ballads. Yeah, it's a <laughs> It's a dope ballad, like, and I, it's not, it don't, I feel like it's something that girls can like and dudes can like feel, like, if you got like a significant other or something, like, yeah, it's like very balanced. It's not like pandering to girls and it's also not too like thug lovey either. Yeah, and this is one of the first songs that when you notice it's like stuff like Magic got played on, you know, 93. We're used, we're talking about local radio in DC, the main rate rap radio stations growing up, 93.9 and 95.5. They would play like Magic, but then Never End could get play also on 96.3, you know, the R&B station. Mm -hmm. That also played, you know, the quote unquote adult contemporary R&B, like they used to play Never End. That's mm -hmm. when I think the label started to realize, oh yeah, this guy's versatile. 100%. I love that song. It's my yeah. jam. Track 10, Tony Montana. Obviously, Drake. I love that. Oh yeah, they featured Drake. <laughs> Willa Fool on the beat. Shout out Willa Fool. He's still cranking. It's funny. That's like another song where Future, obviously because he made the song, but it's another song where he whoops Drake's ass on the song. Yeah, I mean, Drake does his thing, though. I'm not going to lie. I used to, yeah, I used to hate on Drake, but then I realized what am I hating on this young man for? He's just doing his thing, but he does his thing. But yeah, Future kills it. And I like that he wanted to even get on the song. That like makes me, that shows like how dope Drake is as an artist that he recognized how tight this song was because he was a big artist still. Yeah, bigger artist in future at the time, at least. Yeah, for sure. And hey, this was basically the beginning of their collaborative history. Mm -hmm. And of course, track ten, "Permanent Scar." That's one of the, the best personal future songs of all time. Yep. Also, show flashes of his future, like self to me. Produced by John Boy. Um, track 11, Same Damn Time. Anthem of Anthems. Yeah, produced by Sonny Digital. My nigga, Sonny Digital. I love Sonny Digital. I feel like he doesn't get as much 
work as he should, even though he's still out here active. I fuck with Sunday Digital Heavy. Yeah, for sure. And this is the interesting thing. If you notice, we're on track 10, but this is, or sorry, track 11, but this is the third song that has been used that comes from a mixtape. Like Magic, the original, mm-hmm. is from the True Story mixtape. Tony Montana was originally on the True Story mixtape. And same damn time was on Streets Calling. So this is the labels realizing, man, he's, this brother's putting out mixtapes and they have hits on it. We need to re- repackage them for the studio album. <laughs> yeah, which we do see later as well with the Dirty Sprite 2 Deluxe that they added, you know, fuck up some commas, trap niggas, and real sisters on the Deluxe. Mm-hmm. Track 12, Long Live the Pimp, featuring Trader Truth. Produced by Honorable Sino. Yeah, I heard that. I was like, yo, he's been around that long? <laughs> yeah. Honorable Sino is one of the dopest producers to me like, in the last few years. His, he is. His production is, is dope, Like especially what he was doing with like Uzi. Mm-hmm. I like Honorable Sino. But once again, this song's not bad. I love the fact that he's making a song to honor Pimp C. And yeah. it's almost it's funny. He has like a UGK old and a 3-6 old. So he's kind of yeah. just doing that but at the same time this is another one of those songs where it's like it just sounds it just don't seem like what he would really want how he would really want to make it obviously i can't say he didn't want to make it because he made it but it's just like it's cool it's not bad at all but it's like it's not one of my favorite songs on the album that's my jam i was confused in the beginning why trey the truth was there i was like man all the houston rappers could have picked you picked trade the truth but he does this thing yeah he do actually i wanted bun b to be on the song because you know of course mm-hmm. that's pimp c's partner me too but i do like this song and this you you can tell do you think la reading the labels like yeah you know what we need we need a pimp c tribute you don't know who pimp c is i feel like they were like let's get texas money let's get memphis yeah, that's money. not <laughs> you're a down south artist Let's yeah but cover. if it was if, if back then in 2012 you're not asking trade the truth if you want texas you might call kirko banks mm, nah yeah no, no you're not yes you you're not calling trade the truth you might i mean i don't know trade the truth is very um grounded in surface level he's on yeah, this. but but that's the point though a label is not asking for a trade the truth feature he doesn't have any national hits. That's true. But like, but he's a successful underground artist, out the trunk artist, and maybe they respect those numbers. What numbers? It doesn't it doesn't pull up on their sound scan. Labels care about gold and platinum. That's true. <laughs> They're not asking for trade of truth. That was future him working on his own, and I respect that. Even I'm tripping. Yeah, you could say maybe the labels are, hey, Juicy J, uh, Benz and Maker Dance was hot, but I like that song too. Like for me, the stuff that the labels, you can tell that they influenced was R. Kelly on Parachute, then put in the Magic remix with T.I., then put in Tony Montana with Drake. Mm-hmm. Homicide, track 13. To me, Homicide, yeah. Featuring Snoop Dogg, produced by John Boy. Great song. Great song minus Snoop's verse. <laughs> hey man, give him some slack. Rocco wrote the verse. That was just he dumb. Tried. Why do you have Snoop? I don't know. Future and this sounds like the time it's. He probably made this album in L.A. or some shit. Ah uh, well, 
they made it in Atlanta. They made it in Burbank. That's in California. They made it. They recorded some stuff also in Memphis. So that's funny. But yeah, that the future on this just didn't make sense. I mean, uh, Snoop, Snoop Dogg. Yeah, he doesn't just... make any sense. And this is Snoop Lion, Snoop Dogg. So, yeah. and then even remember the time when he was on, I forgot, what was the name of that show Snoop Dogg used to do on his YouTube? Um, GGN. Yeah, remember, I think there was even a time when he made fun of uh, Future and Migos flow. Humming, 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 humming. Yeah, and I was like, dang, he doesn't even remember he did a song with Same. Him. I was like, don't he know he did a song with him before? But that lets you know, yeah, he didn't. He, yeah, the label asked him for that help. Yeah, he didn't write it. He probably wasn't in the studio with him. <laughs> Nothing. It was just a check. Just like he's on some stupid ass show now that's like American Idol. And I was just looking at it like this nigga just getting money. Like <laughs> it shows dumb as shit. People from people from different parts of the country like compete against each other and sing like another talent show show. Can't nah, believe that's, still not, on. that's not that that's a real show idea that they took from Europe. Cause I remember people in Europe, they do that. It's like a con it's a contest about what country produces the best songs. So you know how most things are. They it's done in Europe and then America takes it later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like let me the office. See. Yeah, exactly. So let me see. Um, yeah, they recorded Homicide in North Hollywood. Well, Future did his part in Atlanta. Mm. Snoop Dogg did his part in North Hollywood. It shows that on the vinyl. Uh, this is the credits for the album and the CD booklet. That's dope. Remember, like, we can't even see that kind of shit anymore. Well, maybe um, on... Um, um yeah on title it's title credits yeah all right and of course track 14 turn on the lights the biggest song on the album anthem great 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 song like that shit reminds me of like some uh it reminds me of like uh i can feel it calling in the end it reminds me of some oh shit like God. that whoa <laughs> it does that's a Very different level of banger though in the air tonight, Phil Collins. You gotta that's, chill, man. To me, that's like the turn on the lights is like the hood version of that. Oh my days! It I is. Feel it in the air uh, by your man Benny Siegel might be that. I mean, not the same tone and like how it like how it feels, but turn on the lights is like a, it's a, it's not just like a hip hop song to me. Yeah. Yeah, it, it isn't really a hip hop song. That's another one that did get played on like the adult contemporary R&B and pop radio stations. They would play Turn On The Lights. That's the song that I feel like made the label realize, hey, this guy is massive. We should market him differently. And then we kind of see what happens with Honest. <laughs> and then of course the outro you deserve, oh yeah, by the way, Turn On The Lights, produced by Mike Will Made It and Mars. You Deserve It, produced by Narden B and DJ Spence. I love that song. Shout out Narden B again. Yeah. And shout yeah. out DJ Spence. When's the last time he worked with Narden B? Shout out DJ Spence too. But when's the last time he worked with Narden B? Narden B's on High Off Life. Which song? Uh, they did, I think, my favorites. Oh, no, I think my two favorite songs on High Off Life is... Pray for a key. Oh, that's what? Really? Nah, chill. 
Pray for Key is TM88, too dope and young icy. Oh, okay. Up the rivers, will a fool. Mm. Uh, the last time he worked with Nard and B. Huh? Let's see. I thought they were on. So they're not on Half Life? Nah, it's Will of Fool that's there and DJ Spins. Nard and B. Dang, it's been a while. Not Monster, right? Yeah, they are on Monster. I know they're on Monster, but it's not. that's not the last time. Because they did Tupac. That's my shit. Yeah, that might just, be. That might was, be the last time. I'm going through the credits. He needs to get back with them. <laughs> yeah. He has great chemistry with them. For sure. Who are they? Are they uh, not black too? Nah, they're black. Oh, uh, because it seems like people who are like teams don't be black. <laughs> oh Lord, is it because the Justice League tricked you? Yeah, and then um, who else was it? It was somebody else we were thinking. I think it was just Justice League. But... <laughs> yeah, just and then me finding out about um Sean House and oh, true. I just been finding out a lot of people on the way. Not that that matters, uh, folks. <laughs> Whoa. But yeah, I think the last time he did work with Nard and B is goodness gracious. Yeah, I'm looking at Nard and B right now. They're two black people with dreads. Well, yeah. what are you excited about that? I want to. Hmm, I'm interested. Oh, oh, so the last time he worked with Nard and B is inside the mattress from. Ah, see what I'm saying? The music he makes with them is just something crazy. Yeah, it's magical. He does need to call them again fast. <laughs> And it looks like they were signed. They were with Grand Hustle. Yeah, you know, T.I. was trying to sign everybody at that time. T.I. has a good year, though. He had Narden B and Travis Scott. Yeah. And, and he tried to get Meek. And he tried to get Meek Mill. He was trying to do something. Yeah, I mean, hey. Do you remember the You Deserve It commercial on AT&T? No. Yeah, because I believe it was supposed to come out, but maybe I think people at the company saw like hold on this guy makes a lot of dirty music we can't have the kids singing his stuff but there was a clip of it was the AT&T you remember those AT&T commercials that they used to have with the kids and they'll say like snarky comments yeah like they'd be sitting at the um like more we want more yeah, yeah that type stuff mm -hmm. so yeah it was one of those commercials but yeah, I like that song. Future, he is great at making dope outros. That's one thing. And intros. That, but that's why that, oh my God, that intro, Parachute with R. Kelly. Mm -hmm. Now, on Pluto 3D, the version that Jamal's familiar with, that has the bonus tracks of First Class Flights. Which I love. By Sunny Digital. Yeah, it's a great song. Jealous, produced by Mike Will Made It and Schoolboy. I love that too. Yeah, that joint goes. And my produced by Sunny Digital. I like that too. Yeah. One thing I like about um first class fights and jealous is just like permanent scar, go hard and astronaut chick and straight up. It sounds very futuristic and mixtapey. Yeah. Like how he used to sound. So I like that he was able to keep his mixtape sound on this album. And then my um like on homicide, uh, jealous, and um, my the type of auto tune he's using. I used to like when he used to use that kind of auto tune. He's not that auto tuned out anymore. Yeah, it's um, extra distorted. Yeah, it's very like watery and um that uh, and um 
yeah, I just like the way he uses that auto tune. But um, uh, jealous those um that joint kind of reminds me of um, um, Club on Smash. Actually, Homicide reminds me of Club on Smash from um, True. No No Sleep. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, Club on Smash was produced by Eight Hundred Eight Mafia. I remember that. Got that Club on Smash. The- G- the deluxe tracks see this is when i wasn't buying itunes i wasn't buying music from itunes so i didn't get the uh bonus tracks but i got the bonus tracks you know what i do but yeah the bonus tracks are paradise produced by john boy that's one of my might be one of my top five favorite future songs fish scale produced by willow fool that's a focus joint and then go harder produced by looney tunes that's a song that the Grizzlies used to play at their games. I used to be geek, like, whoa, the Grizzlies DJ is hit. Was this during the grit, grit era? Yeah, this grit and grind is 2012, you know? Yeah. It's the 2012-13 season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But overall, this album was a good album. It was a, not okay. It's not good. It was a decent album. I think I would have given it at the time a three and a half out of five. It I, I, I would say the same. It mixtapes. Like the run going up to this album, like I said earlier, it was Dirty Sprite, uh, True Story, Streets Calling, Astronaut Status. All of that was setting up for the Pluto album. Actually, at the end of one of those mixtapes, Pluto, I think at the end of Streets Calling, Pluto, no, sorry, I think it's the end of True Story. He he teases the Pluto mixtape. Pluto was originally supposed to be a mixtape, but then I believe he decided to call it the album. And like I was talking to Jamal before we started recording, this album highlights how harder it was for artists to crack in the last decade is that you had to put out multiple mixtapes and pop before you would get signed to a label to make your proper studio album. And a lot of times the mixtapes you put out before were way better than the albums you put out. Like we saw Drake went through that too when his last mixtape is so far gone. Then Thanking Me Later is like the label budget, big budget album that wasn't received as well. And then he got to do what he wanted on Take Care and he goes to the next level. The same with J. Cole. If you look at his mixtapes compared to his first album, there's a drop off. And then he does Born Center. He finds his format and he goes on. Can you say the same for Gucci? Nah, because Gucci. <laughs> oh, yeah, because his first album was with So Icy and all that. that don't yeah, because, yeah, exactly. His first album is Trap House 2005. I'm almost thinking like his first album is like the radrick davis joint well that's his first one as a like after killing the mixtapes for years yeah years years (laughs) yeah but that makes it different that you know when we look at rap in the 80s and the 90s and even the 2000s for the most part a lot of the legends we look up to their first album most of the time is their best album but in the artists that came out in the 2010s to now that's not the case and pluto is one of those examples yeah but 
I still think, like you said, I'll give it a 3.5. I still think it was a, I think it's a good album to me. I think it's good um, despite that he had to fight the label and give them like songs that they need, like a turn up song. Like you can just tell he wasn't being, he wasn't able to be himself kind of, but I think that um, he still provided a good album due to his style and vers- versatility vertality and um you know what i'm saying um yeah because he's so um dynamic in his style he was able to like overcome the label and i like it because it has like anthems on it like turn off the lights never end same damn time tony montana magic and then he also is able has like his mixtape sounding songs like permanent scar go hard jealous astronaut chick and then um you know what i'm saying and and like, I also like it because he showed flashes of like what he ended up becoming. So to me, it's not a bad album at all. And it's not, to me, it's not his worst album. Like when we, if you want to talk about ranking his albums, to me, it's not his worst album. How did the album age to you? Did it age well? Um, Minus some of the features. Yeah, like, well, the 3D version. Yeah, I like. I like, I miss some of these uh, future sounds. True. Like, I like miss that era kind of like when he was in this um, flow of making music. Yeah. It doesn't age bad to me. Yeah, it still sounds good because, you know, rap for the most part is heavy auto tune. Of course, it's not as triumphant as some of this production is. And a lot of the artists today that are younger, they don't try to emphasize making club bangers like Future did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of this music still sounds good. I was riding around to it uh, Monday and it still sounded fresh, but of course, maybe that might've been the nostalgia kicking in when I was riding around to it, but it still sounds good. It was definitely nostalgia, nostalgia for me because it, it just, it took me back. And like yeah. when these songs were like out and just this sound of Future was out, it was, it was hitting hard during those days. Hell yeah, I had a hairline. Oh man, those are the good old days. I think I might have cut my dreads by then. Yeah, I think you did. I might have been with you the day you cut your dreads. You were with me today. I cut it's my dreads. It's funny. Sometimes I was talking to Osei the other day. Shout out Osei. And I realized, dang, for a lot of my homies, when they have hot moments, I'd be there. So- yeah, you were like, you saw the dreads get cut off my head. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. Why didn't you stop me? Because I knew you were ready to become Jay. Nah, man, you should have said no. Hey, man. I should have I should have thugged it out at least like two more years, man. I just, I didn't, I always do that. Hey, man, you were in Richmond. I told you, you were just ready to lose it all. <laughs> Dang, man, like you should have stopped me. Like, I don't what did know. You to do? I was asking you, are you sure? And you was like, yeah, man, you know, I'm about to go to, the, about to graduate college, whoop-de-whoop. I'm like, all right. No, nah, it was just a lot of craziness going on. I just had to get that that negative energy that was harnessed in my antennas. Oh, that was in your hair? Yeah, I had to cut it off. T said the power's in his hair. The power is in your hair, but sometimes you got to oh, become the Phoenix. Samson, what happened to you? Sometimes you got to become the Phoenix. Oh. And, and I was like Samson, and which is why I'm growing my antennas back now. Right. So I can connect to that cosmic energy that I need. All right, so... Let's talk about ranking 
this album and Future's discography. He's put out eight solo studio albums. How would you rank it and go from eight to one, you know, make it a little dramatic. All right. So his worst album to me is Honest. Okay. Um, based on, this is an album I never go back to. It has a few cool songs on it. Um, I love T-shirt. I love Cover the Money. I like Honest. I like Shit. Um, what else is on there? Oh, shoot. Masterpiece. Yeah, that song, that song used to do things in the club. I remember the day it dropped and we went to Palace in Norfolk and the DJ dropped it and a lot of people were lost, but me, Terrence, we was rocking. No, I used to see people like people were like basically like um preparing to take stuff home when that song came on. That would do stuff to to uh girl, men and women when that came on. That song is powerful, man. But um, yeah, so I like T-shirt. Move that dope is definitely a dope song. Um, honest, um, covered in money, um, shit and karate chop. Everything else I do not like. Special is my jam. And then um, so honest is eight, evil seven. I used to think more high of evil, but it just doesn't rank up to the next albums. Pluto is six. Okay. And then um, high off life. It's five. Um, Future is next. Mm. Then Hendrix. Then The Wizard. Then DS2. Okay. Me, I have Pluto eight. Honest seven. High Off Life is six. Evil fifth. Future fourth. The Wizard third. Hendrix two. And DS2 one. The reason why I have Pluto last is because the label admitted they fucked up the album by deleting it from history and <laughs> replacing it with Pluto 3D. And then also, I didn't like them rehashing stuff that I had already in Magic, Tony Montana, and um, Same Damn Time. I didn't like that as well. I'm like, man, this is his first studio album, but you're, and this is before the era of when we understood the science of, oh, you're just putting those old songs on there to boost streams. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't how it was rocking in 2012. It was just like the label realized, hold on, this guy's been giving away this heat for free. We need to make money off this. We're going to put on the album. But like, and then, yeah, that's why Pluto is last. That useless R. Kelly feature, Snoop Dogg was lost. I don't understand why Traded Truth is there. I like that song. He doesn't do bad. It's just, it doesn't make sense to me. It's just, for me, Pluto, it's a solid debut album, but it's last. I don't know. To me, I I like Pluto more because, honestly, I won me a trophy's trash, bro. The song with Wiz Khalifa is trash. Um, Like, he doesn't do that bad. I used to hate his part. I like that song. I always like and even though they messed up magic they didn't really mess up tony montana but i like it without drake and same damn time those and never end and turn off the lights all those songs are better than so many songs are honest hey that's your pain that's what i'm saying i look at it when i rank albums i don't look at it by what are the songs that were the most popular or successful i look at as a cohesive body of work how many songs do i not like on this and on Pluto, 
just a couple more. On Honest, I can listen to the majority of the album without skipping anything. The only like Wiz, eh, but I do like that song. That I want me a trophy sucks, bro. Yeah, that song is geeky. I like Future's part. Kanye was in, but I like yeah, I like I be you. That's my shit. Covered in money's my shit. Move a t-shirt. That's my shit. Honest masterpiece. Blood, sweat, tears. I love it. Ben's friends with three thousand is cool. I don't hate it as much as you. Special. That's another one. That's might be one of my top five future songs of all time. That album just kicks. What? What well, do you rank it again? What? Honest seven. And what? So it's Pluto. Yeah, Pluto eight, honest seven, high off okay. life six. How do you then you have high off life six? Yeah, it's a solid album. I have it at five. I think it's better than Evil. Nah, Evil's better. It's more cohesive. It's how many songs is high off life? Like twenty. Yeah, the the bonus songs messed it up. So that's a part of it. Yeah, that's why it goes lower because they don't call it bonus songs. It's just on the album. To me, it ends at Tycoon. Uh, I don't. I mean, yeah, I don't really count 100 shooters with me. I don't count the. I like that song. That song is in bed. It's not, but I don't really listen to that. Yeah, like this album. This album, it's 21 tracks. It would have been focused if it was like 15. But yeah, yeah I'll, I'll agree with you. Evil, evil is better, but it does show that I actually respect a lot of Future's uh, later work. Yeah, he gets better. Him, which is good for him. Yeah, he gets better. Like I was saying, most artists, if you look at most rappers, you can do it at the top of your head. Uh, most of the time, their best album is the first one. But with Future, we both say BS2 is his best album. That's his third album. Now, you said who did? What did you have at number two? The Wizard. Maybe it's because it's just like my second favorite. Yeah, but, but I could say you could kind of say Hendrix is better. I will agree that Hendrix is probably a better body of work. But The Wizard's my second favorite future album. I love that album. Yeah, John goes. I had a three. We both had. The future album at number four, and you used to always try to talk down on this album. How did it end up number four for you? Because it's just it's better than all the other stuff. Like I used to love the album, and then I didn't like I love Rent Money. That's just a crazy intro. I love Good Dope. Um, Zoom is I right. I was listening to Draco the other day in the gym, and I haven't been able to listen to that song in a minute, but I like that song again. Yeah. Super Trapper is stinky to me. Um, Power of Attorney, like this, I don't like it that much. It sounds like this album, Super Trapper and Power of Attorney sound labely like, hey, like give us attorney. give us some songs that give us numbers. Mask Off, I can't even listen to it, but that's a, a classic. Blew yeah, blew that's, a, that's a classic future song. I can't hate on it, but I can't even listen to it. I love High Demand. I love Out of Time. I like Scrape. I'm so groovy's jiggy. I love uh might as well. Popping tags is stinky. <laughs> um I like massage in my room. Even yeah. though that kind of reminds me of like power of attorney and super trapper. I like I love- power of attorney because he was rapping his ass off and he let me he taught me about that meaning. I didn't know what power of attorney meant until I heard that song. And I like it that 
because it inspired those indie animals to do that dance video to it. Remember, he's an indie animal. We some indie animals. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They were dancing to Power of Attorney. That beat made them go crazy with the girl just sitting right there. In the oh yeah, when they were doing that, they were like two of them, and they were like, I didn't. They were called indie animals. Yeah. Yeah, they were going crazy. That's a classic. Um, y'all probably know what we're talking about. The two dudes are in the living room, the girls like in the kitchen, and they're like just doing some like Atlanta looking shit all in unison. And they're grown men doing it. Yeah. Um, I love massage in my room because it's just, I like the name of it. Yeah, I hope that's not Deshaun Watson's favorite song. And the hook's kind of messed up. I hate it if you, I'm not even going to say it, but. um, Oh, you're not going to say it? Oh, uh, Flip. I like Flip. Yeah, I, like I like how he says Flip, Flip. Yeah, flip. yeah. Reminds me of the little Flip game. The future over shows love to us Texas OGs. I love when I was broke. Oh, come on. That does, that's a masterpiece. Hey, Tiggy, come on, man. And then Feds of the Sweep is just a straight classic song. Masterpiece. Like straight masterpiece. So I really don't like. Popping tags. Um, I'm so groovy. It's cool. Oh, it's that's I like jam. the last, I like the last verse. Scrape is like, yeah. Nah, that's my jam. Um, power attorney, super trapper, and zoom. I don't really care for I don't go back to six songs on this 17th uh song album. It's a pretty good amount. But the other songs are like great songs. True, true. So that's why future is um that's why future is number four on my list. Okay, so he's rumored to have an album coming out on April 29th, which is two weeks from now. What are your expectations for the project? Um hmm. I hope he gives us some uh stuff like the valentine's day song that to me like i know a few girls who love that song it's a nice song and I, it shows a little bit more growth in him as an artist like he's known as being toxic future and like you know what i mean being a certain way with the women but i like that he can talk about like you know kind of not that I liked it, but I like that he can like kind of talk about dogging women and not caring about women, but also the other side of like having too many women. Like when Valentine's Day comes, he doesn't even have true love and he ends up and ends up being a burden because he has so many girls. And yeah, and it's all based in materialism. Yeah. So that's just a for him, for what he's known for, that's just a genius and great art, genius concept and great artistry for his character as like a rapper. You know what I'm saying? So I hope it has um some stuff like that. Um, what's some of the? Oh yeah, he did push and pee with Gunna. So yeah, that... too sexy last year with Drake and Thug. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> he still knows how to make an anthem. This yeah, this those like way too sexy and um push and pee puts the expectations up for this album to me. Oh man, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. man. You better get be able to do something that's like push and pee. Uh, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> you want? You want the piece to turn the girl into a pesbian on the album? I mean, it don't got to sound like, and it's funny. I was listening to Power That P the other day too. Oh, come on, we going from Philly to Phoenix. Yeah, like that song's a masterpiece. He'll, he'll, 
he told her pick a pocket. He got presidents and all of them. Yeah, powder man. pills, prescriptions, and like just all the pee stuff. I piss on your bitch. Feeling like Paul Bunyan. Don't piss him off. <laughs> just a lot of peas, but um, he got a pee tat on his face, and he ain't afraid to knock you out. Ooh, but um, yeah, man, pushing P. I hope he gets that production and flows, cause and the thing about pushing P, not to like get off track. Nah, this he, this is good. Go ahead, cause we're talking about based on what you've recently heard from him, is gonna give you what you want from the album. So this is perfect. Go ahead. That beat is the reason why they were able to do what they did. Like they didn't do nothing for real. The beat did it. The the beat dictated them. They had to chill and like stop at these certain parts and say push and pee at random points. And Thug even had to like be a little ugly in the beginning when he was finding his flow. Like, uh, 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 yeah. okay. Like they just had the swag on that beat. Yeah. Who made that beat? Wheezy. Please, Wheezy, be on this album because that beat is crazy. That beat is crazy, bro. I played that song like seven times in a row when it came out. It's Wheezy and another brother named Juke Wong. Salute to you. Based on what I've seen from these type of songs, I don't know if Juke Wong is the same way, but there's producers out there like Q-Beats that they make stuff. Alan Ritter's one of them also. They make stuff for people to sample. So I think... I'm pretty sure Juke Wong is one of these brothers that makes stuff for people to sample because I've never seen his name before. Hmm. Yeah, like Q Beats, they're two white German twin brothers that make a lot of stuff for producers to sample. Alan Ritter, he does the same thing. He's a producer that he uh, he's like a pianist. He makes a lot of stuff that people sample. So... Yeah, man. I mean, for me personally, for the album, I, I'm i expecting, I don't want to go too high with the expectations. I just want an album that's going to be better than High Off Life and the show growth, because I feel like, to keep it simple, every artist should wow. try to make an album better than their last album. Mm-hmm. I'm not always going to try to be like, oh, yeah. You need to try to top DS2. That was seven years ago. He's not yeah. in his own anymore. Exactly. And like, yeah, I said Pluto was for me the quote unquote worst album, but I still give it a three and a half. Like he's never put out a trash project that I hated. And I was like, man, what the fuck is this? He's never done that. He always gives me something that I can enjoy for a long period of time. Um, so for this album. You know, I'm a big, big Future fan. He's my favorite artist. So sometimes I might pay too much attention to, so I see the different snippets he's been playing and I'm like, hey man, this better be there. If not, I'm going to be pissed. Like, but for the album, I think it's going to be a good project. And I'm seeing like the producers, like um, ATL Jacob, Wheezy, TM88, Every all the producers that Future normally works with, they've been talking highly about the album. Even Metro's gonna be on it. He's working with Future again, so that should be fun. But I'm expecting a very good album. And it's funny, I went on a Twitter real quick and I saw yesterday, I believe, someone posted that um 
on April 8th, 2014, the I One single was released and Metro said, always love this song, but looking back, just feel like we were a little ahead of our time with it. Would have been a huge smash today. And then he said, I always said that the whole Honest album was ahead of its time. Eh. No, so get out of here. I like that album. When it came out, I was playing that joint every day. Me and I, this is the time when, when I would play something so much, I would inspire my friends to buy it. Like I remember I made people buy the Pluto album because I was playing it so much. I was playing Honest so much. I'm Osei bought a copy. And then, you know, by DS2, he was undeniable. Everybody was on the campaign. But for me, yeah, I think it's going to be a good album. I'm There's a few snippets that I've heard that I needed. And one of them, Wheezy made the beat. I need that joint. And he's been playing it in the album trailer. So I think it's confirmed going to be there. And then the other one is a song people are calling online. Hermes Astronaut and TM88 did the beat. And that joint is magical. It's like news or something 2.0. That joint is magical, bruh. I want that song badly. So if I can get that joint and I can get um, the Wheezy joint, I think, yeah, because I remember there was another clip of like he was playing the song that Wheezy did. It was like Thug was in the studio with him. thing gunner was there and thug was even like oh yeah this bill is going in like i could tell like he's energized like i think because high off life it was a good album but you know it happened it came out may 2020 covid was still in action he never toured the album and if you notice this is the longest drought we've gone without having a future project yeah it's it's 2012 2014 that was two years and then 15 16 17 then we had to wait two years for the wizard but even not because like future's first project he put out as futures in 2010 right and then of course 2011 he has multiple projects 2012 pluto even 2013 when he doesn't officially put out anything we still have the black woodstock mixtape and no sleep Mm -hmm. 2014 of course he puts out honest and Monster, 2015, you already know the run. 2016, 17, he puts out stuff. Super Slimy. Yeah. Well, 2017, he has Future Hendrix and Super Slimy. Mm-hmm. That's all 2017. Um, 2018, that's when he does... Um, Beast Mode 2. Yeah, Beast Mode 2, Colorblind with Esco, the Superfly soundtrack, and World on Drugs with Juice World. Mm-hmm. 2019 is the wizard the wizard and um save me the ep mm. and then 2020 is high off life and then uh pluto, pluto baby pluto. pluto so 2021 is the first time since he's become since he changed his name from me head to future and put out music 2021 is the first time he never put out any project so 2022, he's announced the album is coming out April 29th. As of now, no title yet. He to said, me, go ahead. To me, I feel like The Wizard, um, real fans love it, but that was slept on. I feel like High Off Life was kind of slept on. And then people 
Well, people to me liked Pluto, baby Pluto. Wasn't the reception bad for it though? Yeah, people the the uh, reception to it wasn't that good, but I like that album. Yeah, like everybody I know personally, like I know about three, four people love that album, but I feel like the Wizard kind of being slept on, high off life, um, kind of being overlooked, and then Pluto, baby Pluto, not being received well is maybe he had to go. He felt like he had to take his time. It might that might be like the reason for the drought. I, yeah, I agree because we can look on the sales like uh, Pluto and Honest are both gold. DS2 is double platinum. Evil is platinum. Future is platinum. Hendrix is gold. The Wizard is gold. High Off Life is platinum. And we know High Off Life is platinum. Drake. Mostly off the strength of, yes, the Life is Good song. So I feel like he realized too that, hey, I'm putting out quality music, but it's like Nas used to say, your hardcore fans help you go gold. And when you get the mainstream and the casual fans, that's when you go platinum. So if you notice, yeah, Hendrix and The Wizard went gold, but I think that's his second and third best albums. High Off Life went platinum, but that's mostly off the strength of the Drake feature. Mm -hmm. I think yeah 2022 he realized hey i need to reset like worst day it was just him on the song by himself i think he was intentional to not have a feature he wants to say hey all right do i still have it can i still make a song on my own crossover or do i need features like most artists do today and my coworker plays um he has the radio playing all day and I hear that song a few times a week on the radio. Well, worst day. Yeah, I hear it. It's on the. It's on ninety three point nine. The producers on that record are Wheezy, Taurus, um, a brother named Jasper Harris, and then Richard Shell. Mm, shout out Taurus. Yeah, Taurus. He's been doing his thing. Gun is DJ that's now stepped up into being a dope producer himself. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the album. He's already confirmed that Ye is on it and Babyface Ray is on it. And then he told, um, he said, hey, Wheezy, if you find a way to freak those FKA vocals, this is going to be crazy. So or FKA Twigs. So mm -hmm. I think she's going to be on it too. So that'll be cool because... Her and Future have worked together before. She's on like, I think Future's on her last project and I do like that song. So that would be cool. I think that for this to be him dropping an album and it's, um, well, as far as studio albums, well, this is his 12th year as an artist, right? Yeah, yeah, it'd be his 12th year from 2010 to now, his 10th year in the mainstream, you can say. Yeah, his 10th year in the mainstream. His I'm kind of- studio album. I'm with you, like, you know, I'm not expecting to be DS2. I'm just expecting it just to be a good album, better than the last, even though that last one was good. Though. Yeah, it was good. That, like, he is, he makes it hard on himself. Hey, man, he's one of the best, man. I think he's one of the 50 greatest rappers of all time. Yeah, and I'm sure people probably don't even understand. You didn't even just speak English to them. Yeah, I know. Because people, they just look at him like, when I want to turn up, I listen to Future. Yeah. They don't really hear and feel it and notice the nuances and just how great of an artist he is. He's literally probably maybe um, 
competing with Drake as the most influential artist of the 2010s. Period. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad Kanye already said it for y'all. So yeah. maybe not y'all y'all hear it, but Future is the most influential artist. He is. You can listen to the 2010s. His early materials. You can listen to his early material from 2010 to 12 and find out where rappers like I said Travis Scott got straight up from him. You can listen to um if you knew what it took and hear about hear how rich homie Quan got a certain swag. I'm not saying he everybody copied him. No, but I'm saying he is a pivotal artist in our generation. Dirk said before, and people criticized him for saying this, but Dirk said that Future is the Tupac of his generation in terms of this is the most influential artist that everybody listens to. He makes the gangster songs for the thugs to be sad to. He makes the songs for the for the girls to have fun to, for guys to have fun to. He makes songs that make you want to be remorseful and think about, man, what did I do in my life? He makes songs that make you want to put hits on people and yeah, he um, makes songs. Yeah, he makes songs and tie up snitches and stuff yeah. too. Come on, he makes a lot of songs. He makes songs that make you want to go fresh and go shopping. He makes songs that make you want to go smack to a girl. He makes little Haiti, baby. Even though he's it's little Haiti, I feel like a mob boss, like eating spaghetti when I hear that song. That's that song reminds me of like to me. If I had like a hood opera, I would, I don't know. This reminds me of like an opera song. True. That song <laughs> that song should be a short film. Yeah, like really. That's why probably why I'm saying that. Yeah, like he. For me, because you know everybody has their evaluation of rappers. I'm not saying future rap circles around so and so rapper, not. But he's a great rapper in his own right. It's not like he's just saying anything. He is a skilled writer. That's why he's been able to last this long. And whether or not you like the subject matter or not, we're like we said, we're talking about street music. It's like somebody who makes um, blockbuster films or. Martin Scorsese, like you know how Pusha T's been saying he wants to be the Martin Scorsese of rap. Yeah, yeah. Like there's some people who like gangster films. So yeah. when it comes to gangster and street music, Future is great at that, like at what he does. Like to me, Future is good at making street music. He's better at making street music than J. Cole is at whatever you want to call his music. Yeah, and then he makes excellent high-level street music, but then he can also make dope girl songs and he can also make dope songs you can have fun to like he makes a lot of different type of records like that you can make dope uh playlists of future turn-up songs romantic future future um introspective sad future songs future triumphant future you can even make like uh like like freaky sounding songs like uh yeah um damn what's the one that i'm thinking about fuck it's not radical but i could put radical on there but yeah, um, you can have the experimental future when he gets real spaced out and does things that whoa what this is a weird like idea. wesley presley and stuff yeah like yeah he pushes it with beats and then coding Cra like we're not even mentioning like for you like for you to say he's in his, your top 50 we're not even mentioning like beast mode coding crazy yeah. you know what i'm saying we're not even mentioning like 56 nights like are you kidding me like or even all the classic hooks he's had or features because that's one thing that even though he hasn't put out an album since may 2020 he's been killing his features woke up with a new bugatti is a classic hook you don't even know that joint got rick ross in trouble <laughs> yeah that's a masterpiece 
like his yeah, hooks man. like and then even we forgot about love the song with rihanna yeah of course you know that's a classic yes yeah you know you know what's going on with rihanna right now yeah like that like to me a future has a versus that has to be in it well love yeah to me because versus girls and everybody watches it yeah. like, i'll be trying to explain this to my brother like He'd be like when he'd be like if Jay Z be in the verses he'll pick something off like Dynasty or something I'd be like nigga he's he not might gonna... he he would probably play change the game for me Jay. my brother I think might have said that but like it's like and it's funny Jay Z can actually kind of do that he's he can his B sides hit for people yeah, his B sides are classics but yeah like some people don't be understanding the versus formula kind of I don't know maybe I'm too like trying to please everybody because I'm thinking like with a DJ here but. Yeah, like I would, I would use love at a versus because it'll like even if he like if he's going against somebody like Drake in a versus, he better bring out love with Rihanna. Like that's gonna set, like that's gonna it's gonna bring people back, and they're gonna be like, oh shit, I forgot. Like oh, like especially girls too. For sure, that's one thing I think Future needs to give us. That I was listening to Pluto. I think out of all his albums, the only ladies that have been present is. Kelly Rowland on Pluto 3D, Never End, and then Rihanna on Hendrix on Selfish, another song that I think sound like that song. On oh, which one? Selfish, the song with Rihanna. Oh, yeah. Hendrix, that song stinks. Because it feels wrong. Yeah. Poop. Broken. Huh? I skipped that shit the other day, but I was kind of respecting oh, it. Like, you, wanted, you wanted to be selfish with a baby boo too? I was thinking like, damn, this nigga Future is just dying. Man. How does he do this? <laughs> How does he make, what's the song he had with Big Bang? Oh. Over there in front of the house? Oh, man. I Miss- love that song. Gonna end up missing. That's damn, missing. I forgot how it goes. Turned oh, missing. Yeah. We got money on your head. I'm about to listen to that when I get in the whip. <laughs> Fuck around, you end up missing. I forgot about that. And you know I love Coop. That's my shit. Oh, yeah, that makes me want to run. That makes me want to run through walls. Whoa, that's next. It does. It makes me want to run through walls and shit. Oh man, well, it's my environment. <laughs> hey man, we're some we're some future fanatics. Look at us. Yeah, man, I can talk about futures for hours. Is there something wrong with us? I never met another future fan like this besides uh, you. Well, Claytis is like this. Bafor is like this. Anthony loves Future. Yeah, Anthony fucks with Future. If you hang out with the AKT homies, shout out Kwaku, Mike Say, uh, Kusi is too many to name. Everybody, the whole crew. People make jokes and say that those guys, when you go to their event, you're gonna hear at least ten Future songs. <laughs> so hey, there's a lot of there's a lot of space cadets out here. We out here, but yeah, I I take the I take the title. I think, oh, shout out Marcus, too. Shout out my man, Marcus. But yeah, there's a lot of Future fans. I think I'm the biggest one. And I'm even working on a book about Future's discography, guys. So I don't know when it's coming out because I want to put it out one day when he's done recording. But I don't think he's ever going to stop. But I'll just keep working on it so that one day it'll be out by the end of the decade. I'll tell you that much because this brother won't stop. But Hope you guys enjoyed this breakdown on Pluto, but let's switch it up real quick because- And this breakdown on one of the greatest artists, you know what I mean? He needs more of his flowers. He does. He's one of the greatest artists of the 21st century. He's one of the greatest artists 
in hip hop history. We need to give him his respect. You might not like his content. You might not appreciate it. You might say, hey, this guy has made the black community and young people in America worse with this drug talk. Hey, maybe, but hey, he's a product of his environment. And like Jamal said earlier, I look at rappers, especially it's entertainment, especially gangster rap. Do I think they're doing everything they really saying they doing? No. And I understand that, hey, just because they doing something doesn't mean I have to. Do they influence a lot of people to do certain things? Sure. But I don't blame the future. Do I think future does did 56 Zans in one night? No. And and if this was like the only type of rap we listened to, I could see that being a problem. But this isn't the only kind of rap I listen to. You know what I'm saying? So so when it comes to like if you go in a library, you got science fiction, you got you know, you got different sections in a library for different books. And if rap music was a library in the street music section, he has made some of the best books. Yeah. And there's a lot of overlap like. There's a reason if you look at any, well, not any, but if you look at a lot of the great artists of our previous, of the last 10 years, they've worked with Future from Currency and Big Crit, the underground dance to Rihanna and Jay-Z to Kanye, Pusha T has songs with him. Like he has a, he's worked with a lot of people. He just, he's on Earth Gang's new album. So he's down with them too. Like he works with everybody. That's why he has a dope song with Mac Miller. Rest in peace, Mac Miller. That's one of them. He has a song with Justin Bieber. He works with everybody. So and he shows his versatility too in his features. And last feature thing before we go, I kind of want to make a stupid analogy, but I just feel like doing it anyways. And um, he's like a Stephen King to me. Like Stephen King does horror. Yeah, I but, he got, but he got a lot of classic books. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's done it for a long time. And you know what I mean? He got it and the shining and all kinds of shit. Future is like like look at it like that. Like Stephen King mainly does horror yeah. and paranormal type of things, but he has great ones. And some people might hate that genre or not like it, but you know, he's not Robert Green. Future. Yeah, he's not, he's not a but hey, you can get a lot of game and motivational tools from future too. If you listen, he gives you game. He does. He does. But man, let's before we end the podcast, we got to talk about something in the water because <laughs> this joint is influencing. I mean, what's what's my man doing? The uh, mayor of Virginia Beach talking about yeah, man, I need to call Pharrell because I just realized it's Black College Weekend, spring break is here, and we don't have no money coming in the city, and we're gonna have to spend two hundred sixty dollars, and we're not gonna get a. 1.19 million tax revenue like we did with something in the water you said all they spent was 260 dollars 260 they spent like usually when black college week comes the city has to spend 260,000 probably for police, yeah, like yeah just you know that kind of stuff and but for something in the water they spent 850,000 but they got a tax revenue of 1.1 million so they ended up making a profit um just on that small level so they're ended they're going to end up having to spend money and not get a profit during Black College Weekend when they could have had something in the water be that weekend and make a profit just from that part. Yeah, man. And you and I went to the first and only so far <laughs> something in the water in 2019. Yep. It was dope. Saw so many artists performing right on the beach. It was beautiful, man. 
first closest thing I've been to like spring bling. Yeah. <laughs> in my life. Like I got to be in a sea of people right next to the beach. And I love that when Janae Eco was performing, she said like me being from California, I didn't know like Virginia was like this. I've never performed this close to the water before. Like this little shit y'all got out here is dope. Like she was like, this is really dope. So that was tight. That was tight as shit to hear that from. It her. was cool. It was tight to see like a lot of artists would talk about their Virginia's tales, like Busta Rhymes saying he came down here to get his driver's license back in the days. Teddy Riley talking about what attracted him to Virginia Beach during when he performed. P. It Diddy. was just cool. yeah, of course. Diddy talking about you know going to Howard and coming down to Virginia Beach during Black College Weekend back then and Greek Fest, all that stuff. Of course, even Jay-Z, he performed H to the Izzo, which is basically his anthem telling us Virginians that, yeah, you guys are so soft. I used to come down here and trap in your state and y'all didn't do nothing about it. Well, well, at least he said, well, at least he didn't say we were short for bread and he had to work with us like he did for the Marylanders. Ah, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> he said in the land of the ter- Terrapins, plus if they were short with dough, I would work with them. Dang. So. He just used to dribble in VA, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, because it was so relaxed. The lane was open. Nobody was fouling him. But um, that was dope because we didn't know Jay-Z was coming, so. Yeah, that was cool. But, man, and it was dope to hear and see Pusha T perform Daytona from beginning to end in his hometown. Chris Brown pissed me off. Shout out to Chris Brown. He's a straight <laughs> legend. But I've noticed when he performs, he don't do, like, popping and like something in this liquor he'd be doing like his real pop shit like that i don't even be remembering like what the song is called but of course the girls were going crazy like they pushed like they pushed like a group of people so hard i I like got out the crowd when chris brown performed that's how crazy the girls were going I, and it was like i just felt uncomfortable like shooting and festivals and shit was still fresh in my mind and i don't know i was just like yo these girls are going nuts over chris brown i'm getting the fuck out the way this is too much for me oh yeah you just remain you just made me think of something that um i think it was 2011 future performed at homecoming at norfolk state and Mm -hmm. i got kicked out of the show because girls were complaining and said i was pushing them trying to get in the front and i was like what it wasn't me it was like me by for a couple of our friends and I got kicked out. It was me and a couple, I think by four got kicked out too. And I was pissed. Like my favorite artist came to my school to perform at homecoming and I got kicked out this show. I was probably gone by then, right? Yeah, you was gone. You was yeah, at- yeah, I think I left right before that. Yeah, it was but, um, also, And also something in the water, um, Virgil went to the legendary uh, Feather and Finn in Norfolk. That was, you know, I mean, that's just a dope picture because I used to try. They were down there, uh, you know, everybody was down there. Beyonce, um, Reebok was there. Uh, I think his name is Deep Pop Chop Chop. What do you know that one guy? Chopra, yeah, he was there. He was, yeah, he had like a little uh, event type of thing. You can go and, like, I don't know, I think do yoga and listen to him or something. I don't know. Deep Pop Chopra is like one of the biggest authors and one of those. Self-help all-stars in the world. He, yeah. was, he wasn't in Virginia Beach, man. He was there. Oh, my God. What the hell? Pharrell had deep pockets in the 757? Yeah, I think. Let me. I need to go look at my hoodie and my shirt. Uh, I think he's on the listing. He's oh, on, like, the, the lineup. That's hilarious. He got hot in the 90s because of Oprah reading his books. 
He's like 75. And Calls had a dope blow up. Oh joke. yeah, that was dope. And then he had a he had like a little church service. I have a church fan. The church fan is dope. You yeah. know what I mean? It was just a lot of dope artsy and cultural stuff. The Reebok, uh, I mean Adidas. I'm sorry, I said Reebok earlier. Even though Adidas yeah. owns Reebok, the Adidas court looked dope. I think Trey Young might have been there. Oh um, yeah, I think he was because he's an Adidas athlete. And they had like a basketball game and. Mm-hmm. It was just an amazing festival that yeah, and I'm still mad that that night, the Friday night when it got rained out and everybody was at um the Norva because I think it was a gunner show. Oh man, we should have been there. Yeah, we fucked up. We yeah, were not doing our homework. Yeah, Uzi was there, Migos, everybody was there. I think Virgil was at everybody was at that show. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna at the Norva. Oh man. Yeah, we missed that one. But um, this is definitely a big loss for the Hampton Roads area. Um, you know what I'm saying? I feel like the only thing they're probably happy about is the fact that like during something in the water, I think about like 61% of the people who went were African-American. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the only thing they're gonna be happy about. But other than that, the average age was 28 years old. That's like an ideal group. Like if a city wants to be on the safe side, you know what I mean? Yeah, Which is interesting. Know. It's interesting for a festival, it's not too old. And it's not too young. And like, you know, people, I feel like 28 and a half years old, that being the average age, that makes for a pretty chill festival. Yeah. And then um, also 66% of the people who were there were women, which is dope. Oh, that's always lovely. You know, that's, there was a lot of beautiful ladies out there for sure. And that's what Pharrell would bring, especially with the artist that he had. It was, it, yeah. it satisfied everybody. You had Pusha T there. You had Uzi there. You had Janae Aiko there. You had Chris Brown there. Yeah, SWV there, nigga. Like you had Charlie Wilson there. You know what I'm saying? Like Missy and like just all of, all kinds of other people. Mm. And then um, it's also pretty interesting that 43% of the people who were there were out of town, and um, about 34% were people from the um, Hampton Roads area. So, yeah. but um, basically, something in the water made 24 million for the city. They're going to miss out on that. And the hotel revenue, the hotels made 2.2 million. And, and the reason why we're saying they're missing out on it is because Pharrell has chosen, has decided not to bring it back due to the death of his cousin. Yeah. The wrongful death of his cousin being killed by Virginia beach police officer. Mm -hmm. Of course they weren't charged with anything serious. They got away with it. And it just brings back up the history of racism in Virginia Beach specifically. So it's unfortunate. Pusha T told Desis and Merrill that it's coming to DC. It's been rumors that it was coming to DC. And then the Virginia pilot said, uh, the Virginia Beach mayor said, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to hit up Pharrell. Can someone give me a line? <laughs> yeah, and Pharrell actually said he was, he wished that like the police chief were as concerned about him moving the festival as they were by his cousin donovan yeah. lynch his name is donovan lynch by the yeah, way rest in peace brother yeah and um but um yeah man and and, and it's a festival it's on the beach bro like it was perfect who else there's no other festivals on the beach in america and from us being northern virginians with ties to norfolk you know i graduated from nsu jamal went to school there two years yeah it was dope Dang, this nigga still trying to put up his... And I lived in Richmond, so it was only an hour away, so I was still in Norfolk all the time. He wasn't wasn't really seeing us. 
you was at the yeah you was at the ODU side you would be there so but I think it was dope like that was literally our festival Virginians we finally had a festival done by Pharrell the king of Virginia basically the trendsetter of the modern era of that when we were growing up in the hyper gangster era of the 2000s where everybody had to be a thug, Pharrell showed us, hey, we can just be ourselves and be cool and like clothes and be fresh and get girls. And like skateboarding and yeah. be fresh while you're skateboarding. Yeah, and like alternative culture, but he still had hood friends like the Clips and Roscoe Pico chain. And Jay-Z, if you want to be technical. Yeah, Jay-Z, yeah, like Pharrell is a symbol for, I feel like, I'm not trying to speak for you, but I think you would agree that Pharrell is kind of a symbol for us that we're not gangsters, but hey, we're black. And being black at that time, it felt like you were, could only be in one form. The gangster, yeah. the trap nigga, you know, the hustle. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a gangster. And yeah, like I'm you said, it also shows that being black in this country just because you're not gangster or like a thug, nigga, I'm black. So I know thugs. I have thugs yeah. in my family. I know people who trap. Like I know people who do everything. I know people who come out the feds after 10 years. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm still black at the end of the day. Like, you know what I mean? But the early 2000s view was just so skewed and yeah. crazy. So <laughs> it was like embarrassing to like say you're not like a thug. Like, I'm so happy I was born a little bit after that generation in 91. Yeah. We got out of that. That was beautiful. But yeah, man, that festival meant so much. I didn't I didn't buy any merch, but I still have the something in the water app on my success. I got a hoodie, a T-shirt. I got this um water bottle that's metal that keeps your shit cold. It has the something in the water symbol on it and Timberland, like the boots on the other side. And I have a um church fan from it. Uh Shout out Kayla, my boy uh, Adonis from uh, VCU, his soon-to-be wife, um, Kayla, she gave me the church fan. She didn't really want it because I was eyeing it. I kept talking about it. I kept talking about it. In my head, I was thinking, I hope she doesn't want that fan. She doesn't really know the, <laughs> like what that means because I'm a collector. I'm in a hoarder. I collect a lot of shit, and I just kept like, yo, I like that fan. I like that fan. She's like, here, you can have it. I was like, yes. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, man. Um. Damn, I feel bad for Hampton Roads. Y'all really fucked up big time. Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about it coming up here? Where, where are they going to put that shit? The Anacostia River? That's what I was thinking. Um, Because there is something in that nasty ass water. There's dead bodies in that water, <laughs> supposedly. But um, yeah, well, you know what? Back in the days, the Stone Soul Picnic, before it moved to Richmond, used to be um in D.C. I saw um Tyrese perform Sweet Lady there. Um. Yeah. My mom used to love that song. That was her shit. And she made sure we saw Tyrese sing that song. But that stage was literally on the National Mall right next to the monument. Now, I know it probably can't be possible to do that now. But uh, yeah, will. it will be dope if they had to join it. Well, because can we, we should be able to drink at the National Mall. I don't know. The Stone Soul Picnic was at the mall, bro. So um and that's a festival you know what i mean so it would be dope if it could be there i can't think of anything else uh maybe rfk oh my god yeah um national harbor got like a little beach true is it enough space for a festival setting nah yeah, it's too small for that um they need to build like a fake beach on the virginia side or some shit 
like that's across from like National Harbor or something. But I think Daniel Snyder lives over there. But um, well, he might be losing his team soon if they keep leaking the right stuff. But um, the location of where the festival will be at in DC is definitely something to think about and interesting. The impact of it being in DC to me is an interesting thing because DC is so close to Philly, Baltimore, New York. Um, I mean, it's only three hours from Virginia Beach, so it's kind of the same. But also just the fact that DC is a very artsy and cultural city. I feel like it's a little bit more alternative black than the Hampton Roads area. So I think that Pharrell mixed with DC's culture and shit is gonna like be beautiful. I think he's gonna be hip enough to have a go-go band perform on the line. Oh yeah, he will. Cause I think at something in the water, a go-go band was gonna perform. I think that he'll Wale. be, I, I was just about to say, he's definitely, he's definitely gonna have Wale. You know what I mean? Um, he might have Genuine, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause Timbaland- Marie you know I mean? Maya. Yeah, like he's because that's the thing about something in the water. It's not just about the hottest. It's about just great artists. Like the fact that we saw SWV. Uh, I forgot which one it was. I'm so sorry. I forgot her name, but she was singing her ass off. I think it was Coco, right? Yeah, it was Coco. Yeah. And um. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at the something in the water lineup for 2020. Wale was supposed to perform with Backyard Band. Rico Nasty was going to perform. Pop Smoke, R.I.P. Damn, Cardi, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Clips were going to come back together and perform. Damn. And the greenery is going to be in full effect in D.C. Oh, yeah, the gasoline. It was going to be in full effect in Virginia, too. It's legal now. Forgot? Oh, true. <laughs> he forgot. Yeah, Deepak Chopra, Chopra was on the lineup. And Virgil, of course, was on the lineup. Yeah, I think we missed, we missed Virgil, yeah. Migos, and on the first day. Yeah, because of the rain geeks, some of the stuff. I think we missed Ferg and Masego. Uzi. Yeah. Travis was there. I don't remember that. Yeah, I remember we saw Travis. He had the ice cream shirt on. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He was talking about how he used to want to get ice cream a lot mm-hmm. back in the days. Oh, yeah, Tyler pulled up. I think we missed Tyler. Nah, Tyler was there. He was he performed during Pharrell's set. Oh, true. Yeah, during Pharrell, he brought out all his friends. Do you know my friend? Oh, yeah, he kept saying that over and over. Hey, guys, I want to introduce you to my friend, like being like fake humble and it'd be like Jay-Z. Yeah. This is my friend. And like the friends I have. Spinning fast. Busta Rhymes. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Usher came out and spin the U-Chain. That was next, man. I forgot Usher was there. Yeah. I don't think for some reason, I don't think it's happening this year because I feel like if it really was happening, they would have announced something by now. Because every festival, it feels like, has announced their lineups. Unless it's going to happen later in the summer, like August, September. But you know how these festivals work. They want to give out the lineup and set things up so the concert goers can, you know, get their tickets and get their hotels and whoop-de-whoop. It's not coming this year. It'll be. Yeah, I don't think it's happening this year. Maybe next year, but... Yeah. Yeah, but hey, man. What's your plans for the weekend, man? You know, I know you're a man of God. Easter's on Sunday. How are you going to celebrate? You got some lamb on the way? Uh, no. Um, dang, that's crazy. I want to go to church this Sunday, but now I don't because I don't want to go on. Oh, because that's the hype beast day to go? Yeah. But you should go, man. No, I might go next week. <laughs> this guy's a hype beast for church. 
Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One last thing, something in the water. The joint sold out, they said, in like 15 minutes. I can't believe we got our tickets. And um, yeah. that was cool. And it's funny because a lot of people slept on it. Nah, but pe- a lot of people slept on it and picked Broccoli City. If you are a Pharrell fan and you just hit, when you saw Pharrell and Friends, yeah. smart people knew what was up. And then when they saw everybody, like the not as much Pharrell fans, they were like feeling kind of stupid. You know what I'm saying? The hit people bought them, them tickets so fast for it to sell out in 15 minutes. But oh, bullshit, because it was funny. It was like literally walking through the festival and I'm seeing like the quote unquote people that were considered the super cool kids in college at NSU. They was all there. I was dapping up Terrence. I was dapping up JB. I was like, oh, y'all here too? Of course we here. Yeah, man, what? It was like, it was like a, like a. In the know type of thing. It was a cool nigga Illuminati session. Yeah, if you, like yeah. If you were a hip nigga, you had to be there. And you're from, if you're hip and you're from Virginia, you had to be there. And I was drunk and saw Ludacris' manager, Shaka. Oh, word. And for some reason, I called out his name and said, Shaka? That's how drunk I was. He's like, what's up, man? And I just dapped him up. I was like, oh, yeah, man, I thought that was you. He was like with his woman. I dapped him up up and he kept walking. That's nice. That was random. Yeah, you gave him energy boost. Like, dang, you're you're that much of a hip-hop nigga that you knew Shaka Zulu when you saw him. Yeah. But hey, man, for me, this weekend, I'm about to kick it. Oh, yeah, the playoffs start on Saturday. Mm. I'm going to parlay, watch some basketball. I don't know what you're doing on Saturday, but I might go kick it with the homie Osei. Oh, I'm definitely pulling up. All right. Yeah, I'll let you know. What's I good. hope that um Patrick Beverly doesn't create a beef with John Morant for years to come, but I feel like I'm smelling that right now. Oh, you think he wants to hurt him like he did the Russell Westbrook before? He wants to bother him and he might piss him off and offend him. That's good. We need that type of energy. But just leave Ja alone. And I'm happy that Anthony Edwards plays with him. Patrick Beverly, because he likes to fuck shit. <laughs> yeah, do you like Carl Anthony Towns? Does he like the fuck shit? Yeah, I've been, I'm, I'm happy. You know what I mean? I, I feel like you know a lot of it is motivation, and inspiration from like you know him suffering a big loss in his life. Rest in peace to his mom. But um, I think um, not saying that it's like good that he did that because I, you know, I wish his mom was still here. That was very sad to me when that happened. But I feel like when he like lost his mom, he kind of like started sticking his chest out and shit and it's just obviously with his progression as a player a young player he's just at the time when it's supposed to happen too but and rest in peace Dwayne Haskins Carl Anthony Towns had a picture of him and Dwayne Haskins when they were kids growing up together in New Jersey so yeah that was in and for me not being a Dwayne Haskins fan really that shit makes me sad even when I hear about it like I wanted him to get better and be nice for the Steelers like that's how I am with black quarterbacks. Like I'm not a fan of Justin Fields. I'm not the biggest fan of Teddy Bridgewater, but if they end up becoming good, like if Jacoby's Brissett end up becoming like the best passing shit, I'm a root for him. I'm gonna always root for black quarterbacks. But so that was very sad. You know what I mean? We lost Dwayne Haskins way too young. Yeah, he was only 24. Rest in peace, loved one. And rest in peace, Gilbert Godfrey, just because I always remembered his voice on like the Animaniacs and all yeah, kinds of movies. For sure too. I think he was in How to Be a Player. Oh, yeah, he might have been. I think he was like at the desk or something. Yeah, making noise. Yeah, and he and then um All Star on um No Sleep. He said smoking loud like Gilbert Godfrey. 
<laughs> on, remember All Star was on uh, yeah. no, Starlito. Yep. Yeah. So. Focus. Rest in peace. Hey, man. Rest in peace. It's a good way to end it right there, man. This might be our longest episode. I hope y'all stayed the whole time and enjoyed it. Our bad. Yeah, it's all good. You guys, you guys like good conversations about music, sports, and whatever, what have you, anything. You enjoy it. But hey, man, that's another episode of Chopper Soup Convos. Gee, gee. Yeah, we about to go to Pluto. We out. I got bras in Atlanta. <laughs>